What's up, Geekiverse? It's Bruner 1.0, and we're once again going to talk wrestling here on Geeks Talk Wrestling, hence the name of the show. That's the intro I'm giving you because I am vehemently very tired. That word does not fit in that sentence, but we're going to go with it. I've got Harrison Beebe on the line with us. Harrison, what's up, man? Bruner, it's been a while, but uh, you just had coffee, so how, how come you're that tired? Uh, I've been up since 6 o'clock yesterday. Ah, that's a very good excuse then. It's one thirty now, so that's nearly 20 hours. We're getting close to that. Yeah, you're dialing in, but what better way to send you off into a Friday afternoon slumber than with a, a SummerSlam countdown, a or, as I like, or as I like to call it. Oh, are you going to play it? Oh, I thought I had it ready. <laughs> when all you guys go back to L.A., your home turf, and if you lose... We will ban you from the Summerfest. Summerfest. Jeremy Piven, he goes to Summerfest every year. Yeah, I love how you called up that reference before we started recording, and that was your, like, your come-to-Jesus moment about Summerfest. Hey, did you know, do you remember back in the day, he, like, went on a date with Kelly Kelly, I think. Was that real? I thought that was, like, staged. Uh, maybe it was staged. They went to, like, a football game or something. Maybe anyway, it was real. Jeremy Piven has a great Summerfest countdown, too. I, I think he has the 90, 999 network login for sure. <laughs> so you contacted me. We're going to get back on track here. You contacted me and said, hey, man, we should talk about our uh, favorite SummerSlam pay-per-views overall. And I was like, you know what? That's a good idea. So here we are. We're going to break down each of our top five SummerSlam pay-per-views. Uh, before we started recording, we thought we had the same number one. We haven't told each other each other's lists, uh, but we seem to think we have the same number one. I hope we do. I think we do. We both seem to have the same taste in wrestling. Eh. And it is pretty hard to not accept it as number one, but be that as it may, we'll get to that when we can. So would you like to start or would you like me to start? See, now I'm concerned we're not going to have the same number one. Uh, well, we'll worry about that in half an hour. Exactly. Uh, you think we're going to talk half an hour, you jabroni. <laughs> so my number five is SummerSlam 2000. Is that, is that, do I get a reaction on that one? Is it shocking? Is it not shocking? That, that is the quality. So tell me why it's your number five. So this one's probably a little uh, biased because I just listened to Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard and they broke down SummerSlam 2000. And I said, you know what? I need to go back and watch it. So I did. And I thought it was a great pay-per-view. I, I did not watch it at the time of when it aired back in 2000. But looking back, I thought a lot of the matches stand out. X-Pac versus Road Dog was short, but it was good. Right to Censor took on Too Cool, and it was awesome. Uh, China and Eddie took on Val Venus and Trish Stratus in a tag team match for the IC title, which is just weird, but I liked it. Jerry Lawler defeated Let or Taz. That was good, even though it was weird. Uh, that this is the pay per view where Shane McMahon took that massive bump off the Titantron. His first big bump, I believe. Yeah, big, big, like as far as Hell in a Cell size, big. Right, right. So that was good. Uh, Benoit and Jericho was solid. This was the first TLC match with uh, Edge and Christian, the Hardy Boys, and Dudley, uh, Dudley well, Boys. People forget that, too. They think it was actually at the Mania before that, but that was actually just a triangle ladder match. Exactly. So, this one was TLC. Exactly. Uh, the Cat versus Terry, that was lame. Um, Undertaker <laughs> and Kane was lame as well, to be honest. It ended in a no contest. 
Uh, and then the Rock. Kane first lost his mask, though. They didn't show it that well, but I think Kane lost his mask in that match, or Undertaker ripped it off or something. So he had some historical relevance, even if the match was terrible. You are correct. Uh, Kane got his mask ripped off, and he just ran to the back, basically. So <laughs> it developed a storyline. I'll give it that. Uh, the Rock took on Triple H and Kurt Angle for uh, the WWF Championship. And well, I guess what I love looking back at this is Kurt Angle had a pretty bad concussion and didn't know it at the time. And he credits The Rock and Triple H for walking him through that entire match because he blacked out, basically. He didn't know what was going on. Come to He find wasn't out. in it for half. He was gone for half the time. It turned into a singles main event, uh, unbeknownst to those two guys at the start. Right. Uh, I guess the, whole, the plan was to have Kurt leave, just like he did, but he legit had a concussion, and they didn't know what to do. They're like, all right, maybe this will just be a, a singles match. He came back and made it a pretty good triple threat match, even though uh, people were starting to get a little upset with The Rock, I feel like. This is kind of, he was still trying to become the face that we all know and love today, but uh, just an overall solid pay-per-view. There weren't too many duds, so I thought uh, SummerSlam 2000 deserved to be in my top five. Yeah, my only, you know, it's a very good show, and if you're going on fans, top five, it's definitely in there. My only gripe with it, which is why I've gone back and forth with making it number five, I'm a big main event guy, and in your main event match, the second biggest match of the year, arguably the SummerSlam main event, you have your champion, The Rock, is like on the outside looking in at this Triple H, Kurt Angle, Stephanie feud. So here's the prominent face. He's just coming off filming like The Mummy 2 or something, so he had a lot of hype behind doing the Hollywood stuff right away, and he's just playing second fiddle to this whole cheating storyline, which I thought was very, like, you'd never see that at WrestleMania, except maybe The Miz at WrestleMania 27 or something, also involving The Rock. But I I think that's my gripe with that show is, yeah, great TLC match, uh, great Jericho Benoit match, great shame bump. The Jerry Lawler Taz match, I remember having a lot of... uh, a lot of heat to it and a lot of crowd intensity but that that main event it just seems so jumbled and didn't seem like a, a main event of a summer slam in its execution but still an entertaining show i'm going to go ahead and make it number six on my list mostly because you just put it number five so i can give my number five show shout out that'd be SummerSlam 09 from los angeles the first of that string of la shows they did yep um, also a very good TLC match. That was the main event of the Jeff Hardy CM Punk run. Yep. Um, and you know, if you ask me, it's, it's pretty entertaining to do a TLC with six guys. It's even more, you know, impressive when two guys can pull it off with the spots that they did. Obviously Jeff Hardy's going to make it memorable no matter what he's doing. Uh, that match was great. The DX legacy match they had was pretty entertaining. The Dolph Ziggler, Ray Mysterio opener was fun. It, it maybe it's not an all time classic SummerSlam, but I think they had enough pieces in there to make it a super entertaining show and kind of a slower era of the WWE in 09. Uh, and it, it just kind of added up to, and it, it had that new feeling to it going to LA. It kind of, I remember they had that, um, that theme song that was by what's that rock group from Aerosmith yes. that Aerosmith seemed song to it. And it kind of, it kind of added a new layer. They went away from the biggest party of the summer and went into more of like, you know, this kind of classic wrestling, you know, summertime feel vibe to it. I, I guess I'm blank on how to describe it really in the direction they were going, but it just had something unique to it that felt like it, we hadn't seen in a while with them. So that makes it number five for me. So this is going to be kind of uh, anticlimactic, but number four for me was 2009. 
<laughs> so, and basically for all the reasons you just said, I love CM Punk. He's obviously my favorite of all time. Uh, and that Jeff Hardy feud was fantastic leading up to that. Uh, Orton and Cena had a pretty good match for the WWE Championship, even though at this point we've seen it 42 million times. Yeah, that was, that was the one kind of downer on that. That could have been a little better, but they were pushing that into the fall. So. Right. Uh, DX legacy match, like you said, that was fantastic. Uh, the one dud, I guess, would be Christian beating William Regal for the ECW Championship in eight seconds. Yeah, but that's how much they cared about ECW, so... Right. What are you going to do? <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, pretty solid show. Rey Mysterio and Dolph Ziggler, I remember being very underrated. So yeah, like you said, solid show. It's my number four. Yeah, definitely. Uh, just a new feel to it. And they, they must've liked it too, since they went back to that building for how many years in a row might have one more from LA coming up. My number four though, 2005. Now top to bottom, it may not be the best star quality of matches, but I feel like 2005 has that you know big time blockbuster atmosphere to it from top to bottom i mean you start the show with chris benoit beating orlando jordan in like what 30 seconds i think for the u.s title and back then those type of quick matches you've seen them a lot in the past 10 years back then that didn't really happen that often so to have that come out of nowhere especially for a title in the opener of a show uh, I mean, definitely deserved because Benoit was light years better than whatever Orlando Jordan was. I'm actually surprised I even remember his name was Orlando Jordan. <laughs> you know, uh, so she got off to that fastest start. And then you had the Matt Hardy edge angle. The match was terrible, but people were chomping at the bit to just see them fight because that whole summer was the Matt Hardy getting released for the lead of stuff. Yep. So that was a super hot angle. And then. What encapsulates wrestling as a whole, the custody for Dominic ladder match. I mean, <laughs> anybody who anybody who watches wrestling makes fun of that. I hate to see what people would think who didn't see that match and see the storyline that goes into it, that the custody of a child was hung up like a money in the bank briefcase, or I think it was a contract. Either way, uh, pre-money in the bank era where Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio. But the match was great. The match was super entertaining. Uh you had an Orton Undertaker rematch in there. Not as epic as the WrestleMania one because they had the streak on the line, but still a pretty good back and forth. And I think uh, Orton got a win back there. Cena Jericho for the WWE Championship, helping bring Cena along in that new new era of his to be champ. And uh, what? You had like a street fight, I think. JBL and Batista for the, for the world title. No holds so barred, yep. All, all things considered, that wasn't five stars, but... Uh, it was enough to kind of make it entertaining. And the main event, hang on one second. <laughs> as much as we love hearing the trash be taken out in my front yard, maybe that's the, the garbage truck is taking out the trash that did my SummerSlam rankings. But <laughs> um, the main event, I mean, this is a match that could have been maybe not a main event of a WrestleMania, but it could have been a marquee WrestleMania is Hulk Hogan and Shawn Michaels and, I, I still remember that opening promo for the show where they're going through all the matches to the theme song, and then it just stops when Shawn Michaels super kicks Hulk Hogan. And, oh, man, it still gives me chills. I didn't necessarily love the feud, but I think they built it really well. And, you know, you can argue all you want whether Shawn or Hogan should have gone over, but uh, Shawn did his best to be Shawn Michaels and make that match entertaining with a 55-year-old geriatric and Hulk Hogan. So I think 05, like I said, didn't have a ton of the – at most epic matches in SummerSlam history, but it had a lot of great storylines, great hype, and, and just made it feel like a big deal to want to watch SummerSlam. Yeah, I agree. It definitely had the big 
big time feel. But the, like you said, the the matches themselves weren't the greatest, and that's what kept me from putting it on my list. Um, the Orton Undertaker match ended because Orton's dad like messed with him. Uh, in a weird, like, rubber mask. I, it was creepy. <laughs> uh, and then Hogan and Michaels, I loved the feud because Shawn Michaels shouldn't have been the heel, but he turned it on so well, and that's the epic promo where he was, uh, he was I think that was before the Montreal stuff. Or It was right in there when he's like, all right, Bret Hart's never going to come back, and that started like his... He's the music, yeah. yeah. And that crowd lit up. And then he, uh, he basically said, Hogan's here for the money and nothing else. And if you think that's not true, you're an idiot. And I was like, ah, you got a point there, Sean. So, and, of course, that's a match where he oversold everything. I don't know if you've seen the video on YouTube where on he, that, the chicken yeah. song. I haven't seen the chicken song. So they basically put the chicken song behind him as he oversells everything. Like, <laughs> and it's just it's money. It's great comedy. Um, but that, just it's the, better than Sexy Kurt. Yeah, no, nothing's better than Sexy Kurt. You should okay, know that. Just, just making sure. <laughs> uh, so that's what kept me from putting it on my list. Um, but I definitely agree, pretty solid SummerSlam. Uh, my number three is going to be kind of shocking, I feel like. I don't know. I'm kind of second-guessing it now. Eh, whatever. Uh, 2000, 2008. Okay. Um, I, I guess I'll explain it. Uh, this Could is. You- yeah, this is the one. Uh, I believe this was also in LA, or was no, this? No, this one was in like Indianapolis, I think. Conseco Fieldhouse, not LA. That is Indy. You are correct. Okay, um, they. I feel like they pumped it up like it was LA. <laughs> Maybe. They did. That was the show that was built around the promos. Were around like the movie stars, like Jericho was Indiana Jones and Batista was like James Bond and Rey Mysterio was Batman. Right. So. I can see it's enough for LA. So for me, I guess it was just the feuds themselves that really pushed it. Uh, my, uh, MVP took on Jeff Hardy. That was just a pretty solid match. Okay feud. Um, Matt Hardy took on Mark Henry. And I remember this was like a super short match, but for whatever reason, I liked it. Like, he hit the, uh, the twist of fate in, like, record time and then beat Mark Henry, the world's strongest man, in no time at all. It's very strange, but I liked the fact that it was so shocking. I don't know. Uh, Yet somehow Mark Henry was still built up as a world champion a few years after that. (laughs) Right, yeah, in his Hall of Pain stuff. I don't know. Uh, But it worked. I liked it for whatever reason. Uh, CM Punk took on JBL, and I, once again, love CM Punk. I thought the feud with JBL made sense. Uh, This is kind of when CM Punk was just the fill-in champ, so to speak. But he he had the whole, uh, sometimes it's what you don't do that makes you who you are. That's why I'm not going to drink, even though he keeps telling me to JBL. I, I just love that kind of stuff. So I, th- I think his cash-in, I remember that summer, his cash-in did kind of come out of nowhere and just catch a lot of people off guard. It was like a Raw and Edge was like leaving and taking a title to SmackDown or something, and be- Batista beat him up, and then Punk showed up. When, when he first won it, it was a really big, like, whoa, that you know kind of pre-pipe bomb, like earth-shattering news that went through the wrestling universe. Yeah, he was a mid-carder for sure. Yeah. No one was ready for him to be the champ, and uh, if you've ever watched his documentary, you know, the, I think Triple H said the title was still making him. He wasn't making the title. So, uh, but, I, you know, I loved it. I thought the feud was good. Triple H beat the great Kali in a match that was absolutely terrible. I'm not going to lie. That match sucks. Uh, yeah, 
realize you have a top SummerSlam that has the great Kali and a title match. I know. And it's that's <laughs> that one was rough to swallow, but I love the Batista John Cena feud and I love the Undertaker and Edge and Hell in a Cell. That match sold it for me, I guess. Uh I the Undertaker Edge Hell in a Cell was by far one of my favorite Hell in a Cell matches. I, I just loved it. Every they did everything. I, I don't know. They, they did. They made like a TLC Hell in a Cell match. The, they went through the cage. Undertaker used a camera at one point. It was, I don't know. I just loved every second of it. And this is the Batista-John Cena match where John Cena uh, basically broke his neck because they mm-hmm. did the, uh, the powerbomb off the top rope. So there was just a lot of storylines that developed. I thought it was all done well aside from the Great Kali match, and I put it at three. Well, and that's how big, especially those last two matches where the Cena Batista and Hell in a Cell, where they, they usurped the title matches and were put ahead of them on the card. And I think that's why I like 05 so much is because you had fe- uh, several feuds that were like that, that were that big a deal going into that show. Um, but to each their own, if you love 08, I've never been a huge Undertaker. Ed- we, we've talked about this before, how you and I have different views on Edge as a singles competitor in the wwe but uh you know it it definitely is is up there as a top higher rated show and uh if those who supported number three i i support them i'm an optimist my number three goes back to the down the highway to hell to 1998 okay wow for this for several reasons i think it is highly regarded as, as a pretty great show top to bottom especially in an era where they weren't putting out good matches. This was the Vince Russo attitude era where they were just going out there and having five minute, you know, kick punch fests. Yes. <laughs> and I think starting with D'Lo Brown and Val Venus, their first match, you can kind of tell like they're trying to wrestle and put together a, a story for the coveted European championship that <laughs> nobody knows where it is today. Probably still in Shane McMahon's bag from when he retired it a long time ago. Um, <laughs> Yet an oddities match, whatever. That's you know, crowd fillered entertainment. But you Giants against the Kyan Tai Midgets, that was you know, kind of intriguing in itself. X Pac Jeff Jarrett, decent match. They cut Jeff Jarrett's head. I hate Jeff Jarrett, so just to see something bad happen to him was always really nice. <laughs> uh, I think Edge speaking of Edge, I think he debuted at that SummerSlam in the mixed tag match with Sable and Mark Merrill. Another, whatever, popcorn entertainment. I mean, the crowd just loved Sable, so whenever they threw them out there, they were good. Exactly. You had a Kent Jamrock, Owen Hart, Lion's Den UFC-style cage fight. Now, it wasn't as aggressive as a UFC fight, but you had two kind of submission-based wrestlers uh, doing a different type of match than you're used to seeing. The New Age Outlaws beat the crap out of Mankind in a tag title match to win their belts back. Um, I think it was like a no holds barred falls count anywhere match that the fans were into. But then your main events, like any good SummerSlam, you're built around your two good matches. And Triple H and The Rock both got elevated to the main event status basically in that show with their ladder match for the Intercontinental title. A little different than a Shawn Michaels ladder match. They found their own way to kind of sell a Triple H knee injury and and make The Rock into a super duper star in the process. Because a few months later then he was turned into the corporate rock and won the belt. Right. So that was in classic encounter. And then you had the two biggest stars in the company at the time. Now, your main event talent wasn't that populous, but you had Stone Cold, still one of the best-selling champions of all time, go up against The Undertaker in a, in a very impressive, you know, 
combination that you know fans were probably really dying to see at their height and they got to see it and uh, that was before the undertaker turned heel so it was a face-to-face SummerSlam main event i think the undertaker shook his hand at the end and i don't know top to bottom they just it was in madison square garden so the crowd was great you, you had a lot of pieces in play to make that a classic and i think they delivered especially for that era when pay-per-view and match qualities uh weren't that high up i think they really uh locked into something good that night I I definitely love 98. Uh, I, there was a little bit too much, like, crowd filler, like you said. Uh, but, yeah, like you said, Triple H and The Rock was fantastic. That was a ladder match that I don't think should have succeeded on paper. Uh, yeah. And they Realistic. made it. Yeah. You don't think – when you think ladder match, your first two people are not Triple H and The Rock. Let's just <laughs> say that. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think The Rock's done a ladder match since at all. Like, at all. Uh, not off the top of my head. I can't think of one. So yeah, you're probably right. I think Triple H did one with Shawn Michaels once, but um, for the two out of three falls match they had at some pay per view. But I'm I'm trying to remember The Rock ever getting in the ladder match again. You're right, Triple H, Shawn uh, Michaels. Two I got out my geek, my geek averse WWE mind remembers he fought Mankind in a ladder match for the title going into Mania 15. So there you go. <laughs> there. Well played, sir. Now, now we move on because I remember random Raw main events from 1990. <laughs> that was my first year watching, though, so it made a big impression on me, stuff that happened there. Fair enough. Anyways. Uh, so we're at number two now, and my number two, make sure I got the right page up here. Yes. SummerSlam 2003. Uh, oh, I, I, that, that is a swerve. 08, I was a little thrown off, but you're going, okay. Give two, me your 03 2003 is a swerve for you? Yes, sir. Okay. All right. So uh, La Resistance took on the Dudley Boys, and La Resistance won. This is when La Resistance had some weird heat, and people were into the match for whatever reason because they hated La Resistance. Uh, I believe this is when Rob Conway showed up and then kind of screwed over the Dudley Boys. So mm-hmm. it was that's a weird heat match. Uh, Undertaker took on A-Train. Not great on paper, but I thought – for, it was solid considering what happened. Uh, Eric Bischoff and Shane McMahon took on each other. And once again, not two wrestlers that you ever want to see, but there was a lot of heat considering what Eric Bischoff had done to Shane McMahon's, mo- Shane McMahon's mom at the time, Linda. Uh, he forced himself on her. Like that would never run in today's WWE. Cause that's not all. right. No. And so, Kane would never chokes or tombstone Linda McMahon either. <laughs> right. Like the NFL. <laughs> abusing women policies that are going all over the place. The WWE would never be able to get away with that. Exactly. So I, I just thought it was uh, a, a great callback to what used to happen <laughs> uh, on shows. Um, Eddie Guerrero took on Chris Benoit, Rhino, and Tajiri. Really underrated Fatal 4-Way match. Fatal 4-Ways often fail. Like, the timing is so hard to do, and I just I thought this was fantastic. They always seem to hit every single spot that they went for. Uh, maybe it's just a credit to the people who are in the ring. Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, obviously one of the uh, greatest technical wrestlers to each their own there. And then Rhino and Tajiri just played really well in that whole thing. Uh, Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar was a fantastic match for 20 minutes. I loved that match. I thought it could stand up to the WrestleMania match, maybe, in my opinion. Um, Kane and Rob Van Dam took on each other, and I'm pretty sure this is after Kane had uh, demasked. Uh, yep. So this was kind of like, okay, what's going to happen now that Kane took his mask off? And there was obviously some big 
big, I'm trying to think of the word here. Ramifications. Yeah, big ramifications. Great, good word. Uh, big ramifications. Well, you can tell when he lost the mask, it was kind of like a rebirth for his character. Like he was the monster in the late 90s that fought Undertaker and did some stuff and lit everybody on fire. And then now losing his mask kind of gave him a chance to put a face to the evil. It wasn't even like pure like, – see no evil. That was a terrible movie he did. But like they, <laughs> losing his mask like gave him an extra edge to kind of work with a couple more years. And I remember that kept his character interesting for a little while longer until they you know, threw him in random tag teams and whatnot. Exactly. I, him without the mask was shocking. And I remember as a teenager like thinking, oh, my gosh, like this guy's gone a whole nother level. He's gone Super Saiyan Kane basically without That's his mask. That's Dr. Yankum right there. Oh, my God. <laughs> right. <laughs> at the time, I didn't know that. So I, I was very uh, – I was not a smark at that point. Um, and then Triple H, Goldberg, Chris Jericho, Shawn Michaels, Randy Orton, Kevin Nash, Elimination Chamber match. Uh, I just remember watching this and being super ticked off that Triple H had won because I thought Goldberg would win, and I wanted Goldberg to win. And Goldberg speared people through, uh, like, the barricades. I remember him demolishing Chris Jericho. Uh, and I, yeah, he did that a lot. Yeah, true. <laughs> but, I, you know, I just remember it getting a lot of intense heat. So maybe this one just has a soft spot in my, soft spot in my heart based on uh, all of the emotions I had at the time. But I don't think there was a necessarily bad match on the show, and maybe that's why I put it so high. But that's, uh, that's my number two. I can see the argument there, and Angle Brock is definitely a, a four-star plus match, so that's definitely enough to, to push it up. I guess I, I put a three in the segment of a lot of, like, 2012, 2014, um, those shows that have a lot of really good matches, but none that really, you know, jump off the page and the main events. I mean, in that sense, yeah, everybody in the world was expecting a Goldberg title win at SummerSlam, and then they just pushed it to the next month for a buy rate. I guess. Um, and then that's, yeah, it just left a bad taste in everyone's mouths, I think. Now, having said that, I would be remiss if I didn't mention my number two show because the end of that night left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths as well. Probably a lot worse than Goldberg not winning. I'm going SummerSlam 2013, which was just four years ago, and it's basically just a two-and-a-half match show, but those two or three matches uh, were basically the main feuds heading into that show. And, you know, anything else, you just do it five to ten minutes to build around. And I'm, of course, referring to the double main event of CM Punk, Brock Lesnar, and the No Holds Barred match, and the Daniel Bryan, John Cena main event with Triple H as the guest ref. Both, I'm sure you would consider at least four and a half stars, correct? Oh, yeah, easily. And, uh, you know, I mean, the Brock under or Brock uh, CM Punk thing, that was a dream match for me as a fan. I've loved both those guys for a long time. And so the fact that they actually started lining up and the feud began right in your town there in beautiful Grand Rapids at Van Andel Arena. Yes, sir. And Brock came out to give the F5 to CM Punk on Raw that one night. And then from there, it was like, okay, here we go. That They're going to do that at SummerSlam now. And you know, I was wondering if they were going to try and do a typical wrestling match, maybe try and channel an angle Brock uh, main event from years past, but nope, they went with the personal feud with Paul Heyman involved, and they did the no holds bar stick. And I just, I thought the way they booked it made Brock look like pure gold as a monster that can be taken down in the right situations, and it made Punk look like the never say die hero who was gonna find a way to get back. 
and unfortunately he let Paul Heyman distract him too much and, and ate the victory on that night. But I, I still think it's his last great match in the WWE in pro wrestling if he never returns. And uh, really one of the all-time staples, I think, of SummerSlam, not to be outdone, or maybe it was, by John Cena and Daniel Bryan. Basically kind of rechanneling the punk John Cena 2011 match at Money in the Bank, but with a little different angle. The fans dying in the Yes Champ movement at that point to see a a Daniel Bryan title victory, and you get it, and you love it. And then you have a Triple H heel turn, which people were waiting for for a while as well because he's just so much better as a heel. (laughs) And Randy Orton cashes in from there. And apparently the storyline was never to give Daniel Bryan his win back, but I don't know how you book that at the end of a SummerSlam with that hot of an angle and then not have a long-term plan to have Brian win the belt back. But thankfully, eventually, they did, whether that was CM Punk assisted or not with him leaving the company. And uh, that, I think, in a way, elevates not only a great show, it just means that, hey, if you wait a little longer, you're going to get that great ending, although Dana Bryan's career is not a great ending. But the WrestleMania 30 moment was definitely a great payoff for what the fans were taking through in the last few moments of that SummerSlam. So I think... The two great matches, the Christian Alberto Del Rio match on the undercard was fantastic. I think Cody Rhodes and Damian Sandow even had a decent match at the time on the undercard. So you had a couple good ones sprinkled in, and those two iconic double main events. Uh, you know, it's, it's what SummerSlam's all about. You can put up with some bad, but if you get some really good in there, then it, it's going to keep the fans coming back for more. Yeah, I, I had this in my pool of possible shows, and I actually wrote it at six, and it was con- considering moving it up to four and five, and I... The thing that bothered me was the Bray Wyatt-Kane match for the Ring of Fire. This was Bray Wyatt's debut uh, wrestling match. Yep. Mm-hmm. It was awful. <laughs> Let's just call it like we see it. It was weird, gimmicky, and it just didn't work. Uh, Del Rio and Christian had a pretty solid match for the heavyweight championship. I'll give you that. Uh, Natalia took on Brie Bella, and it was just nothing. Uh, Lesnar and CM Punk, awesome match. Uh, they made CM Punk look like he might win. And they did. I... I- I, anything they did with that match was was pure genius in my mind from start to finish. Every every little intricate worked in my opinion. Yeah, and I I I knew CM Punk was not going to win. Um, from every interview he had done prior to that, he loves wrestling ideas based on realism. And like, uh, he CM Punk should never beat Brock Lesnar in a real fight. He's got like a hundred plus pounds on him, you know. So. Mm-hmm. The fact that they made it in my mind as a smart wrestling fan at this point in my life think that CM Punk might actually win this and make it believable. I was like, all right, well done, WWE. That's the one good uh, promo you've had in a while. And then, of course, Daniel Bryan, John Cena, like you said, fantastic match. Daniel Bryan going over clean, uh, focusing on that injured elbow of Cena the whole time. He legit hit John Cena with that knee at one point uh, because I remember the next night on Raw – Cena came out with the black eye, and he just goes, all right, Daniel, thanks for that one. And he, uh, <laughs> it was just so good. And then, of course, like you said, the swerve at the end was epic. So uh, definitely a solid SummerSlam. Uh, I might reconsider my list now because now I'm kind of talking myself into it. But uh, it, definitely solid SummerSlam. There's, there's some downers on there, but yeah. you value the time of the, the good stuff versus the bad stuff and how great the good – I mean, it's great stuff, the, everything that's good on there. So it, it, to me, it's like it, that's any, almost any pay-per-view that you're going to have to enjoy nowadays. You're going to sit through some garbage to get to the all-time stuff that you're talking about on podcasts five years later. Right. All right. Our number one – 
I, I swear these, these have got to be the same. Otherwise, we're both terrible wrestling fans. Uh, 2002? 2002. There we go. All right, let's hear why you think 2002 is the greatest, and then I'll try to chime in off it. Yeah, uh, I, it, this is just – We I actually had a couple friends over, and we rewatched it last week on the network uh, last Friday, actually, yeah. Um, and they were all saying that as we were going through match by match, they're like, wow, this is kind of a dream card. You've got, this was right after the invasion and the WCW purchase. So you kind of had WCW guys coming over fighting WWE guys. And it, it just, it wasn't in the invasion storyline, but it was woven into the WWE new era. They'd just done the brand extension for the first time. Um, so you had SmackDown rivals, Raw rivals, you had an interbrand match, uh, just everything hit pretty much. The only downer I can think undertaker test was, you know, not, not anything fans were really clamoring to see, but the, the fans are into it in Nassau Coliseum when they watch it. Maybe the un-Americans tag match isn't that much better, but Booker T and Goldust were so over back then. Fans were eating up everything they were doing, but top to bottom. I mean, Angle with Rey Mysterio, I think, is one of the best openers of all. Uh, Edge and Eddie Guerrero had a tremendous match focused on the psychology of Edge's arm. RVD, Benoit. Benoit always makes everything look so real, and I, I was talking to my buddies. Like, RVD is literally being challenged right now to be a great professional wrestler, and I think he comes up in spades doing that, uh, You know, trying his best to hang with one of the best that's ever done it. And then your double main event, it seems to be what I hearken on for all the good SummerSlams here. You've got, <laughs> you know, Shawn Michaels coming back out of retirement. Who knew what to expect from that? He even says he was only going to do the one match. Yep. And then that turned into eight years. But the one match, if it's just one that, that one match alone, people say all the time, it's like Shawn never took a day off and he took four and a half years off. But Triple H did his best to, to make that match a, a tremendous success too. I mean, you can't have a five-star or four-and-a-half-star match without the other person doing something. And, and Brock rocked for back then. We've never seen that match since. It's been talked about happening again sometime whatsoever down the road. Who knows if it ever will. But for the one we got, especially Brock being a four-month into the WWE guy, they brought a lot of energy. And that was where they really started turning the Rock heel from his Hollywood days. And that turned him into the Hollywood Rock persona that I loved then the following spring when he came back for WrestleMania. But Top to bottom, yeah, lose Undertaker test if you want. Maybe that tag match, but there was nothing overall terrible on the show, and there was a lot of amazing on this show. And it's not just Harold is the best SummerSlam. People have it in their top five all-time WWE pay-per-views, too. That's how powerful this one is. I think everyone on the card looked good or came out looking better. Uh, like you said, this was Rey Mysterio's debut. Uh, and so, I don't know if it's his debut match or debut on SummerSlam, debut pay per view. But this was yep. his first match, I believe. Mm-hmm. For the uh, pay per view, yep. Yep. So, and uh, what of an opponent, Kurt Angle? Like the the dynamics there, are just so intriguing. Ray can look good with anybody if he's doing his move set and Angle. You know, heel Angle playing the "Woo, you Ray Mysterio, what are you doing in WWE? This is my company." You know, dorky Goonie Kurt Angle thinking he's going to let a little kid push him around and. Oh, man. Everything was perfect with that. And Rey Mysterio lost and did not look bad. You know what he I did, mean? But it occurred to just, or he was going to be the champion again. So he was in that, you know, main event tier. So to have a brand new guy come in after 10 minutes and tap to the ankle lock, that's not a bad loss. Right. Ric Flair and Chris Jericho was pretty solid. I wasn't expecting much. Uh, looking back at it, it wasn't a terrible match. And I think I wasn't 
Both I wasn't expecting Flair to win that, but uh, be that as it may, and another guy in Jericho who was right around your title picture, but they, Jericho's always willing to put anybody over. So, Yeah, uh, Edge and Eddie, like you said, fantastic match, focusing on the arm. That was great. Uh, on, on Americans and Booker T. Goldust, not great, but there was a lot of heat. So the, the crowd was into it. The crowd made me care about it, even if all these years later I haven't cared so much. So exactly, uh, Rob Van Dam, Chris Benoit, like you said, fantastic. Rob Van Dam made it look real. Uh, Chris Benoit. That match, that match went 16 minutes or so, and Intercontinental Title matches weren't going that long back then. So they definitely got a lot of uh, you know approval from from the writers and the booking team on that one. They made the IC title kind of mean something again. I feel like at that point. Mm-hmm. After we had previous Summer Slams where uh, the IC title was defended in a tag match, which makes no sense. <laughs> With China winning it, yeah. Right. So Rest in peace, China. R.I.P. Uh, Undertaker and Tess, like you said, probably could lose it, but I didn't hate it. Maybe just because like the crowd was so hot for it, and they all about America, and Undertaker went up and held up the flag. So. Uh, it was short. It got to the point. I was okay with it. Well, and if that's the worst thing on the best show, that's perfectly fine. Exactly. Um, oh, cool. Uh, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, like I have no other things to add. It was an amazing match. Uh, my favorite part is when Shawn Michaels is coming out and he stands on the top turnbuckle, or I guess it'd be the second turnbuckle, and he shivers and he just goes, oh, it feels good to be back. I love this. It's like, oh, my gosh, he really is back. After all this time, we never thought he'd wrestle again at one point, and here he is, finally, in an unsanctioned street fight against Triple H, who used to be his best friend. That, those promos were amazing. Yeah, that was uh, – harken to Grand Rapids. I think that betrayal in that, in that promo video was in the Van Andel as well. Every, everything good for SummerSlam just happens in Van Andel Arena, doesn't it, Bruner? GR, baby. You got to love it. I guess. Um yeah, I mean, those two are always going to work well together as tag teams or opponents. And uh, you could tell Triple H felt it was something special. And that was right after he'd gotten off of six months of being a face, and the fans weren't super into that after his original return from the quad injury. So that was a, an appreciated heel turn from everybody just to see him back in his natural. Wow, my top two shows just have Triple H as a fresh heel. What do you know? <laughs> Clearly shows uh, where I support him. Right. He was a face in my number three show, though. He's a face there. You, you got a Triple H face turn in there. Nice job. Uh, but that, I mean, everyone thought DX was going to come back. And then he they turned did. on. I thought they were going to come back. Yeah. Because I didn't think there was any way possible Sean was going to have a match. No. I thought he was he just going to, like, manage. All the time. Yeah. And he kicked him and hit the pedigree. And I, my jaw dropped still when I see it. I'm like, that doesn't. Uh, yep. That happened. Yeah. <laughs> And then when they do the uh, teleconference interview to, to hype the match, they do the, it's, it's the old wrestling, you know, cheesy delivery, but yet Sean kind of nails it. He said, yeah, the doctor's saying I'm going to make a full recovery. Full recovery by, say, looks at the camera, SummerSlam. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> so cheesy, but yet you're waiting for him to say it. And when he says it, you just jump up and down in the living room like the Hardy Boys are returning at WrestleMania, something like that. <laughs> no, that's a great reference because I legit, as, let's, how old am I, 27? I jumped up from the couch I was sitting on and lost my mind when the Hardys came back, and I probably did the same thing when Shawn Michaels said that. So great reference. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, like you said, Brock Lesnar and The Rock, only saw it the one time. I think I everyone knew The Rock was going to lose because I feel like this is when he's leaving. Yeah, I didn't because Brock was only in there for four months. 
Yeah, uh, and that's shocking that Brock is all of a sudden the guy, but they made it believable. They made it work. Uh, Brock got the Jinder Mahal push. Yeah, but I believe it more. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Uh, and then the fact that uh, the way Brock won was cool. Like the way he turned that last finishing sequence into an F5 was just so well put together yeah, and so clean. People were, I think, gonna were a little worried he was gonna look out of place in that main event scene with a guy he'd been doing it for years. But I, I think he held more than held his own. And as we can see with matches with Kurt Angle later, like he he was ready to do that stuff. Yeah, it's not uh, just not F fives. Or I mean, sorry, shooting star presses. <laughs> He's just not Suplex City. Uh, so yeah, that card, top to bottoms, easily the number one for both of us. I'm glad we were right. Otherwise, that would have been awkward. <laughs> so there's our top five summer slams let us know what you think comment below what did we get right what did we get wrong uh do you agree with any of it do you agree with none of it i don't care we did the podcast one we're just we're just banning them all from the geek we're ban them from the geekiverse you don't have power to do that <sighs> jeremy piven does though he can ban them from Summerfest. oh uh, one more time do it when all you guys go back to la your home turf <laughs> <laughs> and if you lose oh my gosh we will ban you listen to the rest of it from the summer fest you'll be banned from summer slam is what you say summer slam i slammed out so wait a second and summer fest the, whatever that is the, who is he with ken jong that uh, who, who is the other guy oh the john cena that was john cena who's like uh, correcting him yeah, yeah, see, Everyone immediately jumps in. Oh, now I just got a blooper reel with Mike Adamley. Yeah, no, that was Cena. Okay. Cena comes in immediately, not even a half a second goes by. He'll be banned from SummerSlam is what you're saying. <laughs> and that's why John Cena is the best. <laughs> yeah, really. Right. We got to get you to work soon. So uh, give us some plugs. Where can people find you on Twitter and Facebook if you want them to? Uh, at Harrison Beebe, we'll see how much I enjoy SummerSlam if I tweet about it or not. Coming up to it and uh, watching the show, we might be watching some of the show together ourselves. So that's the we'll plan. be tweeting each other. We'll we'll tweet each other. It'll be cute. Uh, it we'll like it. Uh, you can find me at Austin J Bruner on uh, Twitter, and then of course the Geekiverse on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're uh, just the Geekiverse or the underscore Geekiverse on one of them. I can't remember which one it is, but you'll find us, search us. Uh, but for now, Harrison, man, let's do this again sometime soon. We will. Are we going to do our Unforgiven power rankings in September? If or no, whatever pay-per-views in September now. Um, they got the champions. Did they really? And are you going to Hell in a Cell? Are you going to go to the, the, or the Pizza Pizza Arena? Little Caesars. Uh, long story, the plan is to yes, go. But we've been looking at tickets. My friend and I, Tyler, he lets me watch Raw with him every Monday night. One, they're, they're expensive. And two, there's not any good seats left. I don't want to go to Hell in the Cell and look at Hell in the Cell from, like, the upper deck when I can't see anything because of the stupid cell. You know what Agreed. I mean? So, all right. We'll table that discussion for another time. All right. Sounds good, man. That's uh, our SummerSlam Top 5. Let us know what you think. For now, we're out. Goodbye.